everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 88 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So you might have heard if you want to run better than just run more. So increasing your weekly mileage by 10 to 20% can make you a better runner, but there are plenty of times when running more is just not the best choice. So how do you know? Well, we'll talk about that today. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So more mileage is a great trick for a running coach. If you can take somebody who's been fairly successful, pull up their training plan, say, oh yeah, that's a great plan, and literally just add five miles a week to the plan, they will probably get better. Okay. It's a great trick. And you look like a genius coach and because they get better. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like very much of a trick if it's... That's that's the trick is it's not all that complicated. You just throw a little bit of extra mileage at them. Okay. However, one of the that issues can definitely lead to more injury though if the person's not ready for it. Well, yeah, you could throw five more miles that and that gets them better than what about 10? What about 15? Mm-hmm. Eventually you're going to hit a trade-off. And it kind of goes against one of the fundamental rules of how we coach, which is get the best results with the minimum amount of work that you can safely handle. Right. And that's the way that we coach. But there are other coaches out there that just like to throw mileage at kids. Yeah. There's or some coaches that we in general. coach against in, on the high school scene that yeah. just throw tons of mileage at their kids, which... And whoever's left standing is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. You've made it to a pretty high level, but you've right. left all of your teammates behind because they're all injured a couple months into the season. Yeah. I mean, it all just depends on if the body is ready and willing to handle that kind of mileage. Like if the tissues are strong enough, if they're mobile enough, if the joints are mobile enough, because if there's any sort of compensation going on, if they're lacking range of motion in any joints or their tissues aren't mobile, they have restrictions anywhere, then just increasing mileage is just setting people up for injury. Right. That's that's the big giant caveat to the entire episode is, yes, you can get better by running more miles. Mm assuming you're still able to run. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's talk about just adding more mileage. Let's let's talk about the benefits of adding more miles because in some cases, more is better. Yes, yes. I mean, it kind of unites to the whole like 10,000 hours of practice rule of the more... Which is a bunch of baloney. (laughs) Yes, yes, which is a bunch of baloney. Um, But the more you do something, the better at it you will become. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the concept behind that one, if you actually go into it, it's actually like really effortful, purposeful training within the thing. Right. But it's not just 10,000 hours of doing something. It's very mindlessly doing it for 10,000 hours and you're a genius at it doesn't really work. No, right. Yeah. It's very directed. But with running, if you just throw some more miles, assuming that you stay healthy, if you go from running 20 miles a week to 30 miles a week, you will be in better shape. Okay. Especially if you've been at like 20 miles a week for a long mm-hmm. time. Because look, the body gets better. You improve your, your fitness by, um, by stressing the body and then having the body adapt to that stress. Right. The body will adjust to whatever it thinks will, will 
most optimize itself if that stress ever comes up again. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you become more efficient, basically. Right. So if you do 20 miles a week over and over and over, eventually the body almost plateaus. Mm-hmm. It gets remarkably efficient at that stress. Mm-hmm. So throw a few more miles at it, and that's a new stress. You're forcing the body to adapt in new ways. Right. Even mm-hmm. if you're handling the same speed, the same, like you don't change anything, you just up your mileage 10 to 20% mm-hmm. gradually. Don't go 20% from one week to the next. It's usually a really bad idea, mm-hmm. but a 10% increase, a slow increase, and you're going to see benefits from it because it puts a new stress on the body. Right. And I mean, assuming that you're a long distance runner, like we assume that most people that listen to this podcast are in fact distance runners and not just sprinters going out and running a hundred meters. So assuming that you're running more than a minute or two in your races or in your runs, you are predominantly using aerobic systems and aerobic systems use more oxygen. They use those more slow burning types of energy systems. And so by adding more mileage, you are going to make your aerobic system stronger and and more efficient. And so if you're running a race, uh, say like a 5k, a 5k is something like 85% aerobic. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the number. I looked it up this afternoon, but, and it kind of depends on how fast you're racing it, but Mm -hmm. it's really high. Even the mile, even like Olympic level milers that are running sub four minute mile, it's still a majority aerobic race. So for most recreational runners out there hitting a 5k, 10k, even certainly anything longer than that, it's almost exclusively the aerobic system that needs to get tapped into. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be able to spend your time doing something, something, you would think adding more to the massive aerobic base is really the best way to, to spend your time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, But I mean, you also want to be adding in speed and strength and all that other stuff, in my opinion. Yes, in, in both of our opinions. This kind of right. is a, an older philosophy. Like, We can't have an episode talking about higher mileage without mentioning the, the name Arthur Lydiard, who had his guys even like Olympic level milers were running over 100 miles a week. What? Yeah, because he believed that the most important thing you could do was build a massive furnace inside of you so when it came time for speed, you were ready to roll. Wow. Like multiple Olympic medalists, he had them in the mile, in the half mile and mile, had them up over 100 miles a week because that's just, that was his training philosophy was a huge amount of over mileage. Mm -hmm. So some people look at those those athletes and they're like, well... How fast could they have been if they were only training at 70 miles a week? Mm-hmm. Like, did they succeed because of his training method or they, did they d- succeed in spite of his training method? Were they mm-hmm. just such freakish athletes that they were able to handle that mileage and still succeed? Right, yeah. So there's a bit of a debate still going. Yeah, I bet. But it's it's interesting to think about, though, because even – in present times, like looking at different people, like there are different people that are just built differently. Like you and I, you know, you you like to add more miles. I do not. This is very true. Yes. Given the option of what could we do? Like I've got 45 minutes to work out today. Oh no, wait, I've got an extra 10 minutes. You would probably not add an additional 10 minutes of running onto your Well, it depends on if I was running or not. Yeah. You know, if that was one of my running days. But if I have an extra day that I 
I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do, then I would probably default to a strength training workout or some yoga versus going out on an additional run, depending on kind of what my training schedule was like that week. Right. And it's almost guaranteed that I'm going to default to going out and running more. Right. So I think that, but you have been running a lot longer than I have. Your body is more efficient. I think you can definitely handle more miles than I can. Yeah. I like mean, you just can. I, I've been running a while. I remember uh, it was a long time ago at this point, but mm-hmm. I remember when I reached the point where I'd been running for more than half of my life, mm-hmm. which is now a long time in the rearview mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're coming up on like two thirds probably, I know. Right? It's kind of ridiculous. Um, but when you've got that much and then you would throw in the years that I was in college where I was running consistently 80 to 90 miles a week. Yeah. When, when I go out and, and I hit my weekly mileage now and I'm, I'm somewhere in the 40 to 50 range, that seems like a huge amount of mileage for you. But for me, it's, you know, around half of where I was peaking back in college. Yeah. Right now, if I'm not training, I'm usually in the 25 miles a week and I'll get up near 35 depending on what cycle of training I'm in. Right. So I was looking up online. I was trying to find uh, some sort of viable resource of what is the average recreational runner Mm. put in. And I found one that was like a, it was a self runner reported survey, but it was like 6,000 runners in the U S and I forget which magazine had done it. So it skewed predominantly towards the female side. It was like 67% females, but the average runner they had found was averaging 21 miles a week. And then there was another study that had like 2,500 people that was an international study. And they had found that the answer was just shy of 30 miles a week. Mm -hmm. So it seems pretty safe to say that your average recreational runner is running somewhere in the 20 to 30 miles a week range. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's basically four to five miles per day with an off day. Yeah, which sounds about right. Mm -hmm. And most recreational runners aren't going out there six days out of the week, though, is the thing. Most are out there about four days out of the week and throw in a lot of other stuff during their week. You think so? Yes. It, It seems as though because... In general, most people tend to put themselves into, I run to see how fast I can be, but predominantly for fitness. And so a lot of runners are out there, at least the surveys that I had, I had found the, I mean, they were self-reported runners. Um, it all depends on the sample size. It it all depends on the sample size and, and where you got that sample from, Mm -hmm. you know, did you get it from a local road race? I bet you got a lot more people that consider themselves racers versus, you know, people who are going to respond to whatever magazine you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, but for people who are predominantly going from a fitness aspect, they're running probably four days a week and getting in other days that are just complete non-running days. Mm -hmm. So if you go four days a week, five miles a day, that puts you right at 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, in some cases, just upping your mileage safely and slowly will make you a better runner. It will train your aerobic system to be stronger and more efficient. And in many cases, it will make you faster because you will be working with a stronger, more efficient aerobic system. So when you get into a race, you're not going to fatigue as easily or as quickly. So in most cases, you'll be able to run a better time. 
Right. I mean, that's a that pretty much is the exact the entire case for add more miles. Right. Add more miles because you get in better shape. Okay. So let's look at the other side of things, like when more isn't better. Okay. This one gets a little bit trickier. There's a bunch of reasons why more might not be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we should we should go full disclosure. I tend to default towards more miles as long as it's a healthier choice. Uh huh. Like I. That's. But how do you define healthier choice? Uh, sometimes you have to kind of push and see if things start getting achy and creaky. Are you talking about yourself or other people? Yes. Both. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Completely. You kind of test the boundaries and see how far you can push before it's like, ooh, that's not getting me the results that I want. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's going to have a limit where it's like, they're, but how they're do you not know what that limit re- is before you reach it? You don't. That's why you have to gently test. Right. That's why, I, before we get into why you should not go up, I think we should cover the safe way to increase your mileage. Go ahead. All right. So there's... I think that's a very smart idea. Thank you. Mm. I think there's, there's two major ways to do this. One, stay at a level for two to three weeks. Then pull back and have a recovery week. And then when you go back up, go back up about 10% higher. Okay. That is a, a very safe way of going. So if you're at like 25 miles a week, stay 25, 25, 25, pull back to 20. And then when you go back in, go back in around 28. Okay. Don't go crazy. Just go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the one where you literally climb every week for two to three weeks and then pull back. So you'd go... 10% each week? 10% seems to be... um, That's the number that you see all the time on the internet. Right. You see that all the time. I think if you're at fairly low mileage, especially if you're at a low mileage and you're used to going higher, you can jump quicker. Uh So if you're used to being at like 40 or 50 miles and coming off an injury, you're at 20, you can probably go 20, 25, 30. Oh, coming off an injury. Okay. But what about people that have never been Have never been there? Right. I think 10% is a safe way to go, Mm -hmm. which sometimes seems remarkably slow. It's like compounding interest. The first few (laughs) years, money does not grow very fast, but eventually it starts climbing because a 10% increase off of 20 gets you to 22. Mm -hmm. And then it gets you to 24. For and change. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't climb that fast. Right. And if you're looking on the calendar and you're like, well, I've got a marathon coming up, I really have to up my weekly mileage. Maybe, but if you up your weekly mileage too fast, you're going to be hurt before that marathon comes. So right. you have to go slowly. I think the 10% rule is nice, but I also really like the pullback every third or fourth week, depending on your running experience. Okay. I pull back every fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of runners that that we coach, I pull back every fourth. For some runners who are more injury prone, I pull back every third. Right. Or newer runners, too. Or newer runners. That's how we pull back. I mean, I, I would consider most newer runners, except for more like... More injury prone? Yeah, more injury prone. Yeah. Except for like crazy freaks of nature that just decided, hey, why don't I try running? Yeah. And, and they're like, why didn't you start running 20 years ago? Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So that would be the safe way for you to increase mileage if that's something that you're interested in doing. Now let's get into when more isn't better. And we need to talk about, first we need to talk about that risk-reward balance because like we said, too much running too soon is a sure bet for injury. Like if you either are coming off an injury and trying to get back into where you were, there's a lot of runners that will just try to jump right back to where they were before the injury. 
And that is just setting you up to just be in a nasty injury cycle and knock it out of it. Yeah, that's that's a terrible one. You can climb back a little bit more aggressively than the 10%, but you cannot go from, I was, I was always doing 50 miles a week, right. then I got hurt, I didn't run for three weeks, I'm back, I'm going to be at 50. Yeah, no, I have friends that do this all the time. And it's a terrible cycle. Yeah. You're not. When you're back, you're at 20 to 25. Right. And you're probably, you're probably at that level for two reasons. One, you're not running the same number of days out of the week. And when you run, you're running lower mileage. Mm -hmm. Your long run probably completely got wiped out. So you have to slowly build that thing back up too. Right. And another thing to think about is like, if you are coming off of an injury and getting back into running, why did you get injured in the first place? Was it because you tried to ramp up your mileage too, too much too soon previously? Or is it because you have improper running form that's exacerbating the problem and leading you into that injury cycle because like we said before if you have if you don't have the correct mobility and strength to support your running then that's setting you up for injury so by jumping back in and just adding more miles you're just you know putting yourself at risk again right i mean the what we're covering here is you're, you're literally, you're doing too much too soon. Mm -hmm. There's three things that are most likely set up to get you hurt too much, too soon, and too fast. Mm -hmm. So in this one, we're talking about upping your mileage. So you mean too fast as in speed, as in adding too much speed and adding that, that speed. could get you hurt. Okay. That's not really the focus of this of today. So today we're, it's too much or too soon or too much and too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, you could, you could do a combo. Like it's possible you could handle that mileage. Yeah. It's just going to take you a little bit longer to get there. Yeah. And that's one of the issues with running groups sometimes because. As, oh, you want to keep up with the group? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, as much as I love running groups and anyone that love that has listened to previous episodes of this podcast knows how much I absolutely love my running group, but running groups can lead to injury to too much too soon. Because if you really like the people that you're running with, you're going to want to spend more time with them. You're going to want to go out on the runs. You're not going to want to miss out. Like we have some major cases of FOMO in our group, especially if people are injured and they want just want to be out there running. Like because you get to know these people, they become your friends, they become your family almost, and you want to be out there with them. So you try to get out there as much as you can and it just – leads to too much too soon in yeah. a lot of cases. Yes, too much too soon, especially... Or coming, just a big ramp up. A really fast ramp up. Yeah. Even if you come through it healthy, you're, you might not come through it in the best shape that you could possibly yeah. be. You're not gaining the benefits along the way. Yeah, I have a friend that joined our group and she started running with one of the other girls and the other girl decided she was going to train for a half marathon. And so my friend just decided she was going to just jump on. She had never run more than like two miles before. Oh God. At like Orange Theory. Oh, my knees hurt just thinking about right. it. Right. And so then she's like, oh, I'm going to go out and do 10 miles today. I was like, why? Why? Why, why are you, you doing 10 miles? Why would you what do you, that? What are you doing? No. And like, I just kept saying, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to tell people what to do. But I'm like. <laughs> I do. Be careful. And she's like, why are you saying that to me? I'm like, please be careful. Like, I'm like, just don't do too much and get injured. Don't, don't do too much. You don't just be careful. Like, and I just, I would say it to her like every time and. Unfortunately, she did get injured and she had to take some time off and, you know, 
too too much too soon. Too much too soon. And then, like you said, if you have any sort of mechanical issues, this is just going to make the problem even worse, even faster. Maybe you could get to that mileage really slowly, but you've got form issues. Um, I like the analogy of going on a long road trip. Before you head out for the road trip, you're going to make sure that you've changed the oil, that you check the tires, you got appropriate air pressure, you've rotated the tires, balanced everything. You can't be running with horribly off-balanced form and ramp up your mileage. Or it's, bad shoes. Or bad shoes. That's yeah. Check the check the check tire the pressure. Tires, right? Yeah. Check, <laughs> Make sure you're the in the right shoes. Yeah. If you're if you're running in a stability shoe and you need neutral, that's just as bad as running in a neutral shoe and you need stability. Mm-hmm. Both of them are going to cause all sorts of problems to all sorts of joints along the way. Yeah. You're just putting excess stress on things that don't need it, and then if you add mileage on top of that, then Again, recipes for disaster. Yeah, exactly. Like it's totally possible that your almost bald tires can handle the like three miles to work and back that you handle every day. But suddenly you have to go on a 50 mile drive down the highway and you blew out the tire. Mm -hmm. That's not a good idea. Right, right. So you always have to think about that risk reward. And moving on, we need to talk a little bit about fundamentals, right? Because just like you said here with improper running form, if you're, if you're running on a car with bald tires and hasn't been oil changed or any of that, if you are running with improper form and stressing your joints and you don't have the correct mobility in your joints or in your muscles, then that's going to set you up for injury again. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many keys to form that takes a little while to go through and build these. This is part of the idea of it might not be a good idea to even try to ramp up your miles yet yet before you you really focus on some of these fundamentals. And I see this so much with high school runners that their coach is just like, ah, their form is good enough because there's some coaches that don't think that form matters all that much or Mm -hmm. They, they look at the short term. If I try to change their form, they will probably become less efficient. Which is true. Which is completely true. Over a short period of time, if you try and like seriously overhaul your form, mm-hmm. it's going to hurt you over the next month or two. Right. So if you got a cross-country season that a kid shows up in August and you need them to perform at the end of October, yeah. messing with their form is not going to set them up for success on yeah, that season. Yeah, these are things that you need to fix over the summer yeah. during your base training. Or you know, wait, wait for the end of the season, keep the mileage fairly low so they stay healthy and then get them after the season's done, but keep the mileage low that whole season. If you ramp the mileage and you're like, ah, their form's good enough, this is going to create problems. Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of issues. There's proper posture. If you try and run while leaning over at your waist, you're going to have all sorts of problems. Mm -hmm. Or if even hunching the shoulders, hunching the shoulders, we had one runner a bunch of years back that her arm would go numb every time she ran yeah because her posture was just so bad well she was super nervous and carried her shoulders really high mm-hmm. like that was she part literally of it. she carried stress through her shoulders in the middle of a race and so the shoulders as she ran just kept getting higher and higher until yeah. they were basically up at her ears yeah which then led to numbness mm-hmm. and that problem <laughs> never really went away for her no it really didn't yeah because it just became what she did like it, her body it was the muscle memory that that's just what happened right so it, it 
her mileage always stayed low because if you tried to up the mileage on her, then the arm just went numb even faster. Yeah. So that had issues. Right. Um, proper foot strike, mm-hmm. you know, landing on your forefeet, landing on your heels. There's all sorts of issues between where you should land on your foot. But most people agree that regardless of whether you land with your toes, the middle of your foot, the back of your foot, your foot should land under you and not softly. way out in front of you. Right. And as softly as possible. Yeah. As quietly as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're running by yourself down an empty road, you're going to hear your foot strike. But if you're running down the side of a road with traffic and you can still hear your feet banging off the ground, yeah. you're probably not landing correctly. Yeah, it's true. Like I have one friend that runs very hard, you know, mm-hmm. like you can hear every single step she takes. And she said something to me about form one day as we were running. And I said, well, do you hear me running? And she's like, well, no. I said, do you hear yourself? And she's like, yeah, every step. And I was like, yep. try to not hear that yeah your your stride and try to land softer <laughs> your stride should be it should be quick when yeah. it lands and it should be like you should imagine uh that you you don't want to be on the ground at at all it's mm-hmm. why uh some of the people that we coach have like that super fancy watch that tells you literally your ground contact time mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah um the smaller you can make that usually the better because you don't want to be on the ground if you're on the ground, that means you're not propelling yourself forward. It, to run, you literally have to have both feet up in the air and you're leaping from one foot to the next. Mm-hmm. So ground contact time is is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You want to also look at arm swing, right? Because if, you're, if your arms are swinging across your body, um, which a lot of, especially women, I see this very common in women, they, they hold their arms very high. Um, and it's because of their chest. I mean, they, they hold their arms high and they, they run bringing their arms across their body. And that just wastes so much energy. Um, I fixed this in one of our athletes recently. I just was like, just focus on your arm swing more than anything else. Just keep it low, keep it relaxed and go back and forth. Do not go across your body. And she dropped time like crazy. Yeah. I, uh, one of my first coaching gigs, I, I had, I went back as an assistant coach at the high school that I went to, um, back when I was back out in California and I fixed two different kids arm forms Mm -hmm. and I'm like, coach, their, their arms are completely messed up. He goes, figure out how to fix them. Didn't give me an idea. Yeah. Like my coach had been coaching for like 30 years. You know, he knew how to do it, Of course. but he was like, well, figure out how to fix it. So it's not doing you any good if he goes over and fixes it. <laughs> so the one kid, his arms, um, like he couldn't keep his hands an even distance apart. Like the one arm would go forward. Like when his right arm went forward, his left arm would go like so far back and off to the side. And then he would swing back and the left arm would go forward and his right arm would go way back to the side. So when his arms were kind of in the middle, they were only like a foot apart. But as he like brought his right arm back, it went way back behind him. So I made the kid carry a piece of athletic tape that was only 12 inches long Mm -hmm. in his fingers. So his arms could never get farther apart than that Mm -hmm. and at first he kind of like made his shoulders get all hunched up to try and and counter it and i'm like no no no, relax the shoulders and by the end of the season he could actually run with that at one point he asked coach am i am i allowed to carry the tape 
during the race. (laughs) (laughs) No, put the tape down. Go run. It's going to be fine. But I mean, he could have probably. I don't. I don't know what the official rule was on that. Would that be considered like a performance enhancer? (laughs) I have no idea. I'm like, dude, just put the tape down. Yeah. And another kid, um, he he carried his arms so far in front of him, he had like no arm swing, and so it was a little bit over the top. But I stuck a meter stick behind his back in between his elbows, so that he had he couldn't bring his arms that far forward because he literally just had him like crunched underneath, like he was almost in like boxer, like he was in a boxing stance protecting his face at all times there was no arm swing to him so i made his elbows go so far back he really couldn't do much swing he was using his shoulders essentially as arm swing and then i took the meter stick out and his arms suddenly started moving and they were way lower than they were before his Mm -hmm. arms were down at his waist where they were supposed to be yeah so yeah so I mean, that's definitely a form thing that you want to look at, arm swing. We also like to look at cadence, which is how many times your foot strikes the ground per minute. And again, there is debate on this. It used to be 180 steps per minute was the ideal running cadence. And it was now, a magic number. It was a magic number. Um, and now there is some debate on that, and there is definitely some give and take. There is a, a range that they say is more ideal versus just those strict 180. And the height of the athlete significantly affects this number also. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they tried to figure out an exact formula and it turns out that it doesn't work on, on elite runners. They're like, oh no, it's it's based off of the length of your leg between your knee and ankle. And the faster you go, this, no, this, it didn't work at all. <laughs> um, but it's generally agreed that having a cadence somewhere between 170 and 190 is a good answer. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not trying to mess with your cadence by taking your stride and making it so short, it's, again, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. You need a a long enough stride that you're actually covering ground, but a fast enough cadence that you're covering ground quickly. Yeah. All right. And then the last one? Breathing. Oh, you got to make sure you can actually breathe. Yeah. Breathing is huge when it comes to running because if you are not breathing properly, you are just going to get so tired so quickly. So adding more mileage is not going to do what you want it to be doing because you're not getting the oxygen to your lungs and to your muscles. And it's just, you're just going to wear yourself out. That's exactly what you're going to do. You're just going to be worn out. You're you're like, Oh, well, if I'm not breathing correctly and I add more mileage, that's just going to increase my aerobic capacity even faster because I'm not even breathing correctly. No, nope. You're just going to get really tired, really fast. You're going to get really, really tired and you're just going to get burnt out. And you're going to hate running because it feels miserable. it's, It's terrible. When I corrected my breathing, when you kind of gave me the hints on how to correct my breathing, that made such a huge difference. So, yeah. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what you taught me was to breathe in for four steps and then breathe out for four steps. And if you're not able to do it for four steps, then start with three. And obviously this is going to change based on how quickly you're running, but that's where you kind of want to start, like out on a nice, easy, relaxed run. If you can breathe in for four steps and breathe out for four steps so that your inhale and your exhale are even, then that's going to help regulate your breathing and make it more rhythmic. And that's going to help you to regulate your oxygen intake and outflow. Which will also prevent, um, side stitches a lot. I I used to suffer with those all the time. I suffer with them like crazy myself all through high school, especially anytime we'd go on a hilly course, I could not run downhill. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I was actually just scared to run downhill. Mm, So you were like holding your breath. I was literally holding my breath (laughs) for like a mile and a half down a hill. 
And it took me a while to realize that that's what I was doing. Like, oh, well, you can't hold your breath while you run. That's a bad idea. Yeah. And so you start out like with this, you know, trying to focus on your breathing during easier runs. And then what I found out is that during races where I'm actually pushing myself hard, I can't always stick to that four steps per breath or per inhale, per per exhale. So then I might move it to three or I might move it to two depending on how hard I'm pushing. But I always try to match the inhale to the exhale to try to keep some sort of rhythm to my breathing. And that helps tremendously. I'll flip every once in a while. I'll uh, I'll breathe in for two, out for three. Okay. But usually when I'm racing, but I'm not But it's still too, a rhythm. There's still a rhythm to yeah. it. I just, I don't always perfectly match. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. As long as you got some rhythm, I, I try to not tune into my breathing too much. Um, I do it every once in a while on like a really easy run to make sure yeah. that I'm actually breathing nicely and mm-hmm. can very slowly breathe in and out yeah. and, and use that to make sure that I slow down. Because um, I tend, much like a lot of people, I tend to run my long run too fast. So I've been really conscious pulling back on that, especially as I've been ramping up my mileage. Mm. I try and make sure that my long run is very, very comfortable, Yeah, which makes the early miles of the long run very, very boring. Mm. So in addition to all these form issues, you also want to take a look at muscle imbalances. And those can be taken care of through strength training and Like I said, if you've listened to this before, you know what a proponent of strength training that we are, specifically me, um, because adding more miles onto a weak chassis is not going to lead to good results. Like you can't just keep adding weight on if you don't have a sound structure and, and, and strength to be able to hold that weight and to, to take that load on. Right. That's why one of the first things that we do when we get a new client is have get them to show us some videos of them running and doing various like single leg stances because you can see which side is, is strong, which side mm-hmm. is weak. If I mean it's it's not a good idea to have weak hips at all. It's a terrible <laughs> it's idea. It's not a good idea. <laughs> like people have choices. Like like, like I'm, yeah. <laughs> I I choose to have completely weak hips, but even worse than super weak hips is having one hip that's stronger than the other one. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, well, yes and no. I think that... Ooh, yes and no. Where's I this think going? That, well, muscle imbalances are a natural thing. I think okay. that most people have a, a stronger side and a weaker side. It's just the amount of difference between the two sides. Okay, fair like enough. Like everybody's got a strong leg, you know, sure. that, that, that you sets your dominant leg for most people. That I pretend I could kick a soccer ball with if mm-hmm. I could kick a soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with, you know, your right-handed or your left-handed. You have a dominant leg, you have a dominant hand. So I do think that mo- in most people, there is a slight imbalance. It's just how much of an imbalance there is between sides that makes the difference. Yeah, I'm definitely... I wonder if, because I don't, I haven't played like ball sports in so long. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I have a significantly dominant leg anymore. Yeah. Because most of my, most of my effort in terms of athletics has Mm -hmm. been to try and balance the the strength between my two legs. Yeah. So I wonder in terms of like kicking a soccer ball, not that either right or left would go well, (laughs) but I wonder if, if I've almost balanced out my legs. Yeah. It's funny because for a little while, a couple months ago, I was doing some physical therapy with some elite tennis players. And there was this one kid that, I mean, if you look at his two legs, I, I mean, I think this is probably the case for most tennis players, but this, this one kid that we were working with, it was so pronounced. Like if you look at the one leg, it was so much stronger and more <laughs> muscular than his other leg because that was like 
the, his serving leg. Like yeah. that was the leg that he took off was when serving or that was his forehand leg. I That's forget. His forehand. Yeah. So it was just his quads on that leg were just massive. <laughs> and so he would go through like hours of strength training every week to try to strengthen the other side. Yeah. Because that because side was so playing strong. took care of the one yeah, leg. <laughs> exactly. But the, I mean, it was like, you looked at him and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, did you have polio as a child? Like, right. you that, know, that like was it was, luck. it was so such a big difference. Um, so, Muscle imbalances are definitely something that you want to address through strength training so that you can have a stronger base so that when you do decide to build your mileage, you do it safely and with less risk of injury. Perfect. Yes. Yes. I know muscle imbalances. Well, one, I just had horribly weak hips um, and that was part of my knee issues. Mm -hmm. But then I also had imbalances. I was running a lot on banked roads. Mm -hmm. So one hip was getting activated a lot more than the other one. And that was throwing me off. Or running the same direction on the track as well can do that. Running the same direction on the track. Yeah. That's why if, if, our kids ever do a lot of track workout and they're like, can we just cool down on the track? I'm like, yes, you can. But as long as you go the other direction. Yeah. Run the other way. Okay. So what do you do? Because there is only so much time, right? There's all these things that we just talked about, like that you have to try to think about and correct before you start adding too much mileage. You have to work on your form. You have to work on your strength. And so with a limited amount of time in your week, you need to balance your workout with your goals, right? Right. This sends us all the way back to goal setting, which is, you know, a huge thing that that is always up for debate inside of our our show of how exactly do you set the goals and based off of this goal, should you spend more time hitting the strength? Should you, is it worthwhile in the sort of risk reward of adding mileage? Is it worthwhile to add more mileage for someone who's focusing on a 5k Probably not. If you're focusing on a marathon, you probably want to try and get more mileage into it. Not as long probably, as, definitely. As long as you can do it safely. Yeah. It's why, and it, it's why the train for a marathon on three days a week plan drives me nuts. Yeah. And it was pushed for a while. Like you can be successful in three days a week. Like you can. But you're, you can complete one. Yeah, you can complete it. It's not going to be anywhere near as fast as you could do it. And you're probably going to hate running after you're done with it because mm-hmm. you've done it on three days a week. Define success. Right. That's the thing is define success. What's your goal? Like, do, did you want to cross the finish line and get the medal? Great. You could probably do that on three days a week. Mm. I don't think that it's it's your best plan. I don't think it's your best plan for long-term running. I don't think it's your best plan to enjoy running, to thoroughly enjoy the experience for greater Mm -hmm. fitness, I think you're missing a lot of it. Yeah, but I would also argue on the other hand, because, you know, we like to always try to look at both sides. Like, there are some people that just don't do well with a lot of running days per week. Yes. So would your argument be that those people just shouldn't run a marathon? Does that make me a jerk? No. Okay. You know? (laughs) Then yes, I'm probably going to stick with that. Like, I don't think that they should regularly run marathons. Like if you don't do well, if you want to, if you want to run on three days a week, then marathons probably shouldn't be your distance of choice. Right. If you've got a bucket list, I'd like to do a marathon, but you also don't like running. First off, why is that on your bucket list? Mm. Like if you don't even like running and you get hurt every time you try and go more than three miles a week, even if you're like three miles a week, three miles a day, you had that three four, miles a week. You mean three, three days a week, three days a week, three <laughs> miles a day. Yeah. 
if you add in the fourth day, suddenly you get hurt every single time. Like maybe you're just remarkably injury prone, mm. which means you probably have issues with your fundamentals that we already talked about. Mm. But if you don't even enjoy running, why is doing a marathon on your bucket list? Yeah. That would be my issue. Okay. But yeah, I, I don't think that you should train long term for repeat marathon after marathon on three days of running a mm. week. I just don't think it's a good combo. Yeah. But I mean, if you're doing one marathon, then you would suggest to increase your running level in order to allow yourself to um, train and feel good while doing the marathon. Yes. Well, I also, because you're going to feel better if you have more miles under your belt Yes, in a race of that distance. Yes. I also don't think there should be such of a thing as a couch to marathon plan. Yeah. And there are other coaches that would disagree with me. No, I would agree with you on that. Like, I think that that's a nice step after you've been running for a while. I feel like after a while and yeah. I, my, my answer for how long is a while is probably longer than, than other people would suggest. Like, At least a year. I feel like you need some significant running mileage that you've gotten comfortable, that you've worked on these fundamentals. And then yes, you're in a position to start safely and successfully up in your mileage. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're probably going to start dropping time at all race distances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the other thing you want to think about is recovery time, because if you're yes. adding in more mileage and if you're adding in more running days, then when are you going to recover? And this is huge. And because, you know, you can't just infinitely add miles and infinitely add workout days and because your adaptations are actually made during those rest and recovery days. Like I was having, you can totally infinitely add time as a human construct. We'll just can make our more, make more time. We'll make more time. Perfect. Einstein time. <laughs> so, but here I was just actually having this conversation with one of my clients the other day. Cause she's like, well, I don't know how to fit all this into a week. Like I want to run, I want to run more because I want to start training for a longer distance race, but I also want to add in strength training three days a week. And I want to add in yoga three, two days a week. And I want to do this. And you know, and I'm like, okay, well there's only seven days in a week. Like you literally can't fit all of that in a week unless you're starting to do two a days, which for some people, maybe that would work out. And for other people, that's just not realistic. So what she came up with, and I think is a brilliant idea, is you know, don't be limited by the construct of a week. And That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. Like, you know, don't think of a week as seven days. Like I have to fit all of this in, like go on a 10 day cycle. 10 day cycles are very popular among professionals, mm -hmm. especially as professionals start to get a little bit older and they can't do a workout every other day. They'll do a workout, take two days, do a workout, take two days, hit a long run. They build in the extra days and it turns into a 10 day training cycle. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, excellent. it's a great solution. So for all those people out there that ask us, how do I fit it all in? Increase the length of your training cycle. The challenge to that is when do you put your long run in? Because if you have a long run once a week, yeah. it fits nicely on one of the weekend days where you tend to have extra time to work with. True. On a 10-day cycle, your long run is every once in a while going to show up on a Tuesday. Mm. And you got to figure out how to make that work. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I know. It's it's the challenge because I've been trying to figure out how to turn myself into a 10-day cycle. Ooh. I know. All right. So finally, you want to think of the balance of your goals and your training level. Right. This just goes back into more things to keep in mind before you start just throwing more miles at it. Um, this also falls into the, the idea of balancing your age and your training level, not just your calendar age, but your running age. Okay. Um, 
my running age and your running age are very different from each other, mm-hmm. even though our calendar ages are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something to keep in mind. You know, I'm I've had a lot more miles on my legs. Which does that? In, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you, does your running age take into consideration how many years you've been running and also how many miles you've run? Uh, years. And then I I'd say that there's a separate category of like your, your fitness level or your previous fitness levels, like what your body has already gone through. Okay. So, um, I don't know if, if you've been running for 30 years, but for the entire 30 years, you've been in that 20 to 30 mile range. Yes. You've got a lot of miles on your legs, but still shifting up to from 30 to 35 miles is a decent jump for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had a whole wide spectrum of levels of training from being very far out of training where I was running hit or miss. I'd run a couple times a week, maybe because school or work or something got busy to times where I was running seven days a week. I'd, I'd get an off day every like three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've had a whole wide spectrum Yeah. plus lots of years on the legs. Mm -hmm. So with the lots of years, you've got two things. One, you have experience. So you may have worked through some of your form issues over all that time, mm-hmm. but two, you've already got a lot of miles on your legs. So is it necessary to throw a lot more miles on them? Yeah. Are you actually reaping the benefits mm-hmm. if your legs have already made a lot of these ad- adaptations of throwing mileage at it? Yeah. So in general, I would like I would say that are you saying I should say are you saying that increasing the mileage tends to work a little bit better for intermediate to beginner runners that like don't have as much experience with all the miles. Yes. As long as they're, it's done safely. Yes. Once you get to a point that you can safely start increasing your mileage, you're going to see the biggest bang for your buck for the people who are relatively newer runners. So more experienced runners with a higher running age you think will have less benefits from adding more miles. Well, yeah. And and you get to a point where, uh, especially if you're dealing with like a, a much higher level athlete, if they're consistently at 70, 80 miles a week, you get to a point where the difference between running 80 and running 90 miles in a week is a really small reward for a much larger increase in your risk. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you up it another 10 miles a week, that's a lot greater chance of injury, even mm-hmm. for somebody who has like immaculate running form. Because watch professional athletes, even like Olympic level athletes, and you're looking at their form, you're like, there's a little hitch in that guy's stride. Yeah. And at 120 miles a week, that hitch in your stride is going to cause an issue mm-hmm. sooner or later. So, okay, here's something I just thought of that I'd like your opinion on. Okay. Okay, so typically we have seen a lot of professional elite runners that maybe in college or just out of college in their first couple Olympic cycles, they focus on shorter distance, right? They were milers or they were 5K or they were 10,000 runners. And then as they get older, they start to look at the marathon. Yes. Um, Do you think that is because at that point they have basically reaped the benefits from the speed work and now the speed work is posing more of an injury risk so that by just adding more mileage and and increasing the length of their race they're trying to tap into other systems that they haven't used before yes 
it's systems that they've used. It's just systems that they haven't been using almost exclusively. Okay. That, yeah, at that point, adding in so much higher level speed that you need to compete on a, a elite level miler. Yeah, like an Olympic level. Yeah. I mean, the amount of speed work you have to do puts so much wear and tear on the body mm-hmm. that if you replace some of that with more relaxed, easy running, or even running at like a tempo pace, mm-hmm. is so much less just beat down on the body okay. that they're able to, to gain some benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because okay. they're, they're not getting more hurt because of mileage. They're getting more hurt because of speed. It goes back to yeah. too soon, too much, too fast. Yeah. One of those things is going to cause problems. Right. At that point they made it to too fast was causing the problems. Okay. So that's interesting. So then they just transition over to more mileage to help keep them healthier and less injury prone. Which sounds really funny. Mm. So you should just start adding 30. I mean, because literally these people are going from 70 to 80 miles a week mm. up over 100. Up over 100. So, yeah, if you're like, training it for marathons. Right. So add 40 miles of running per week to reduce your chance of injury mm-hmm. is really what they're working with. Yeah, so, that's interesting. Um, yeah, but... For for your real life runners, it is it's a balance of your training level and your goals. Are you going for your overall fitness? Because you might not want to, might not even need to up your mileage if you're just trying to improve your general fitness. Maybe sprinkling in some speed, sprinkling in your speed, your strength days. Just adding in all of these different things is going to improve your overall fitness. Do you have a race goal that you want to cross the finish line? Make sure that you're safely covering the mileage that you can cross the finish line and still be smiling. Mm -hmm. Or do you have like a reach goal that it's like, ooh, it's this race and I'm shooting for this time. Uh Because if that's the case, you kind of want to push the envelope on your mileage so that you can get closer to that, especially if your race goal is a longer race. Okay. Like if you're if you're trying to train for a half marathon and take it to a level you've never taken it to before, you're probably going to need mileage that you've never run before. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's probably a good idea. It's just again, you're just always balancing the risk and the reward, and you're also we can't emphasize enough. Like you need to do it slowly. Like you need to add mileage if you decide to add mileage to your week, to your training, do it slowly and safely to really minimize your risk of injury. Yeah, very much. And, you know, because this is real life, you're not going to have that perfect 10% increase. Right. Like I, I'm trying it myself. Like, oh, okay, well, I, I did this last week and then I can go up, but then you miss a couple of days because mm. life gets in the way. And so you were planning on an off day. Now you have two off days and you missed seven or eight miles on yeah. that day. So now you're way down on this week. Can you increase the next one? Should you... On that one, I'm trying to repeat this week what I was going for last week yeah. without the extra day off that mm-hmm. I wasn't aiming for. Right. So I'm actually, I, it's upping my mileage and it's upping it actually, all, I think maybe more than 10%, but it's putting me to where I should have been last week. Yeah. I'm not then going to where I should have been last week and going above that. Right. I'm trying to keep some consistency. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you are going to up your mileage, just make sure that you do spend some time working on the fundamentals before you decide to start just increasing your mileage. Because like we said before, these fundamentals matter. Your posture, your foot strike, your arm swing, your cadence, your breathing, your strength between especially of your hips and your core, like these fundamentals are super important for you to focus on before you start increasing your mileage so that you can do so more successfully.
That's perfect. That sums it all up. The end? The end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. So if you don't follow us already, if you'd like to follow our running journeys, you can follow us on Instagram. I think that's the where we are um, the most active. Is that's on, 100% where I'm the yeah, most active. I love Instagram. So I am angiebrown.rlr and you are kevinbrown.rlr. That's us. Okay. So follow us on Instagram if you'd like to know a little bit more about our running journeys and our, we post some stuff about our family life and some inspirational stuff on there as well. So we would love it if you were to come find us on Instagram, follow us, and then tag us in your posts also. Like use the hashtag Real Life Runners Tribe so that we can find you. We would love to come see you and connect with you on Instagram. So, and if you haven't yet, we would absolutely love it if you left us a review on iTunes. By leaving your reviews on iTunes, you actually can help more people find the show. And we want this show to help as many people as possible to understand that you can integrate running into your real life. You can integrate a healthy lifestyle and put it into your family and make it all work for you. Um, you can get off the injury cycle train. That's a terrible cycle. And you can get cycle. off the injury cycle. Mm. Yeah, we are definitely, we're really excited. Like we are developing some products right now um, in for information products, some injury prevention plans and some injury treatment plans. And we're, we've got a lot of things in the works right now that we're really, really excited about and we'll be launching it in the next couple of months. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. So get as many people listening to the podcast as you can yes. so that any of your running friends will also be ready when we unleash new stuff. Unleash. Unleash it. Unleash the beast. Mm. All right, guys. So leave us a review and follow us on Instagram. Thank you as always for listening to us this week and we will talk to you next week. Bye.